So on Friday, we spent time reflecting on what uh, the importance was of Jesus being nailed to the cross. And I, I handed out some little crosses on Friday and, and had you consider uh, what this means to you. And um, I figured if I was going to talk about it again, I should probably write down a few things um, of my cross. And I wrote, I'm loved unconditionally. I'm overwhelmed by gratefulness and I'm restored to relationship. And then on that one, I just literally wrote cross equals love. Um, and I encourage you, even if you weren't here on Friday and you didn't receive one of those, actually spend some time considering what that sacrifice that Jesus made means to you. Because it's a, it's a real central thing to who we are as a body of believers, is that what he did on this changed everything for all of us. But as we know, the story doesn't end there. You know, on this weekend, Easter, we see the power, glory, and beauty of the love of Jesus most clearly. And so this morning is part two of my message, Love Stands in the Gap. So I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you made the ultimate sacrifice in sending your son into this world as a substitute for us. And so today, Lord, on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the fact that he rose from the dead and that we are no longer bound in darkness, but as these candles represent being lit, we've gone from darkness into your marvelous light. So Father God, I pray you'd speak through me this morning and speak into every one of our hearts this morning about your glory, your goodness, and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I give a brief recap of Friday's message, which I want to do for the people that weren't here and then launch into the second part, I want you to consider the people and the things that you love. You know, parents, your kids, grandparents, friends, pets, food, sport, cars, cash, etc. Think about these things. Do they make you whole? Do they fill the void that we all have? You know, inevitably, not fully. They may for a short period of time, but inevitably, they're going to let you down. You know, and then I want you to think about, would those things die for you to bring you a second chance, to bring you into a relationship with God, to bring you freedom? You know, the focus of Good Friday is that Jesus came and died for us in his great love for us. That is truth. You know, as Christians, we recognize that as fact, that because of the love of God, Jesus came and died for us, and he hung on a cross for each of us. You can look at it like this, and I'm going to apologize in advance because I cannot draw to save myself. But, um, and if you can't see them, you can come and have a look at them in a little while. I've got four little drawings I want to do. So, oh, that's not working. Awesome. I didn't try these out beforehand, so this could be an epic fail. <laughs> so, 
That's my attempt at a crown, and that's God. He created the world, and he created us in his image on the world with him. But then what we decided to do was instead of having God have the crown, we decided we're going to have our own little crown in place of God. We decided to do things our way. And so this leads to little crosses in the eyes. Ultimately, that leads to our death and our separation from God. But what happens on Good Friday is that, I'm going to put Jay there, Jesus came and he filled this gap. He took on this so that we would have a chance if we would believe. And this is where I want to pick it up today. Because yes, he did die and yes, we need to talk about that. But the power of what he did on the cross comes in his resurrection you know he stood in the gap for us and took on our sin but more than that you know it says in the in the word that the wages of sin is death is separation but what Jesus did when he rose from the dead was he said hey death you've lost all your power you have lost your sting I have come and I've brought freedom for my people go on that's something that we can get a little bit excited about hey You know, he's built this bridge between us. I use this as an analogy on Friday that, you know, God is stationary looking at us and often we turn and walk away. But this cross represents a bridge. There's no longer a gap. We can walk across that bridge and be with him. You know, and the true story comes from what occurred on the third day and the discovery made by Mary. You know, um... And so we pick up the story with the empty tomb. Jesus is now risen as our king. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. And this is why Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday changed everything for everyone. Why? Because sin no longer has a hold of us. Death is defeated, and we now have unrestricted access to the Father. Amen? You know, this is worth celebrating. You know, before I unpack that, I want you to imagine yourself in Mary's shoes for a minute. You know, you're with a couple of your friends, you're carrying spices to go in and, and take part in some of the rituals that they had with, with the body. And this was your teacher, a close friend, and you arrive, nothing but his burial garments are remaining. How would you feel? I dare say there'd be a little bit of shock, being like, wait, hang on, he died, he's supposed to be here. There's potentially some fear going, what kind of weird kind of thing is this? You've probably got a little bit of anger thinking, oh, well, the Pharisees have come in. They don't want him on it. They've gone and pinched his body and taken it somewhere. But then an angel comes and says, it's okay. He is risen. He is risen. And so that's when the joy hits. Because he has risen. But why is this important? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
I have two, two reasons that I want to look at today. The first uh, is the torn veil. Now, when Jesus was, when he breathed his last in the Holy of Holies and in the temple, there was this massive curtain veil that only the high priest could go in on one day a year with a sacrifice in order to communicate to God for the people. And this was separate. It, it, it showed a sign that God was separate to us. But what happened when Jesus died was that that veil was ripped in half. We're no longer separate from God. We have direct access to him whenever, wherever. And that's a really important thing. You know, we once had, a, had to follow a process and go through someone for atonement. But in the veil tearing, which was a supernatural act, and that separation is gone. You know, you can look at it like we've got God here, we've got us here. So we're completely separated. But through the cross, all of a sudden, we're connected again. What was a wall becomes a bridge, and now we can approach God ourselves. You know, God loves us so much, and I want you to hear that personally and individually this morning, that God loves you so much. So much so that Jesus asked his Father to forgive those who had nailed him to a cross and were abusing him. He loves us so much. And he has removed the barrier that sin creates to give us a direct line to him. He has restored that intimate relationship that we were created to have with him. I want you to look at your closest relationship. Married couples, I want you to consider your spouse in this. You know, intimacy is important. That ability to communicate is important. You know, we need to spend that time chatting, sharing successes and failures, fears, hopes, dreams, all of that. But imagine having a wall between you both. Joshua here, so I'm going to get you to do a demonstration with me. I want you to hold this up and just walk along in front of me. So essentially, imagine trying to communicate with people and there's a wall or a veil in front of you. There's absolutely no connection or anything here. It's just literally a bunch of words being said by somebody up the front looking like a goose behind a towel. I'm going to take that off you. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, and with something like that, we are separate. We cannot get to know people fully and properly with that separation. And so this is why the, the torn veil is so important to me, and I hope it is to you, is because with that direct access comes the ability for us to actually get to know God to actually spend time with him and get to know and get to know his character, you know, to see that he is faithful, that he is always there for us, that he protects us, that he goes everywhere with us. You know, having this wall is a hindrance. Or in a comparison to a high priest, imagine if we all had a designated PA 
that would just walk around and go, okay, I've got their calendar here, you know, maybe a day for an hour in like six months' time, you can have a little bit of time to talk to them. That's not going to further any relationships. And so this veil tearing is incredibly significant for all of us. And so we need to remove the wall from our lives. You know, and sometimes th these are walls that we've put on ourselves. You know, unforgiveness, guilt, shame, unworthiness, pride. You know, we need to remove these and allow the fullness of God to wash over us. We've got to let his love in so that we can develop that community and that intimacy with our Father. So with Jesus' death, our community with God is restored. And that intimacy is so important as it allows us to get to know him, you know, as best as our finite minds can understand. And we get to spend eternity in his presence, which leads to the second reason that I love the resurrection so much. Because eternity in his presence means death and separation is defeated. So what does that mean? Like, am I just not going to die and live forever? Am I going to be beamed up to heaven at a random time? Well, logically it's no and no, but who knows what God wants to do. But as I said before, in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. So God created humanity to be in relationship with him and to, to live for him in obedience. But he still gave us free will. And as happens when you allow people to do what they want to do, we make bad decisions. It just happens. So we were created to live with God with no hindrance, no death, no separation. And sin changed that. That put in that veil that we now know has been torn and ripped apart. And so what does that mean? Well, there's a whole bunch of scriptures that I want to quickly just scoot through that will come up on the screen. So the first one is John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Jesus says that, but I want to... I want to put that out to you. Do you believe this this morning? That he is the resurrection and the life. And by us putting our trust and our faith in him, our spirits are resurrected for eternity with our king. The next one is Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 26. And it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace, through the, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, it started off saying we were separate, we were sinners, but that's not the reality anymore. We are actually risen with him, and we need to celebrate that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 19. Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. How cool is that? Like we don't, not don't, we can't stay the same. His love changes us whether we want it to or not. When we let his love into our lives, we are changed. It is so good. And we're given a clean slate, which is even better. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast and that's how it should be we can't boast in what Jesus has done for us because we can't do anything it's all about what he did when he went and died on that cross he took our sins on himself and then he rose again we didn't go and give him CPR or anything like that he was risen because he can do that So we boast in what he did, and we boast in him. Colossians 3.1 Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Don't be stuck in the past, in regret, in shame. We are a new us in God. We have a clean slate. Our spirits are resurrected to live for him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He died for all of us. And he has given us new birth. And that's something worth celebrating on Resurrection Sunday. We need to celebrate that church and actually recognize that this did happen and look at what that opens up to us. A restored relationship with our Father. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, but you are a chosen people. And I want you guys to hear this and actually believe this this morning. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's for all of us collectively, but all of us individually as well. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful, marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. You know, mercy is not getting something that you deserve. Being sinners, we deserve death. But God loves us. God loves us. So we're spared that. And finally, 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ, who also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, 
to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. How good is that? Like we can actually celebrate that and you can make some noise. It is worth celebrating the fact that he died for our sins and he rose again to restore our relationship with our father, but who also took us from fear and shame and death into freedom. We see the glory and power of what happened on the cross. And not just that, through the empty tomb, through all of these scriptures. And there are so many more. I mean, if we really wanted to, to go through and look at all the scriptures that talk something about the resurrection, we'd be here all day. Now, I'm not averse to doing that, but I understand it's Easter Sunday and people will be doing stuff with family. So I encourage you, go and have a look at the scriptures in the New Testament that talk about what we have because of his resurrection. We have restored access to God and we have become new creations. Of course, we need to turn back to him. For this all to happen, we need to recognize that we are sinful, that we are destined for separation from God unless we actually turn back and look to him. We need to turn back and look to him and accept that free gift of love and of grace. To allow transformation to happen and not choose sin and worldly pleasures. We aren't perfect, but our restored intimacy with the Father and becoming a new creation allows us the ability to be able to overcome temptation and overcome the darkness. And to go back to the tomb, because I I just love this picture of, you know, a tomb rolling away, and it's almost like I just see it, this light just shining straight out of a dark tomb. And that's what it is. From that dark place, the light shines out for us. So Luke 24, chapter, t- uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 2 and 3. They found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't find his body, hallelujah. They didn't find his body. He is risen. The saying goes that it is always darkest before the dawn. And just because all hope seems lost, just because it seems too late, just because it may seem impossible or you're not worthy, just believe. And say that to the person next to you, just believe. And to the other person, say, he is risen. And say it all together, just believe that he is risen. Right when things seem impossible, God can change everything. And so he did with Jesus' death and resurrection. Our God has robbed the grave, church. And we have access. We have been set free. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the living Christ. We are called to be his disciples. We have a purpose and worth in him and are commissioned to share the good news. How cool is that? Amen? How cool is that? Like, you need to actually understand this. This is an amazing thing that we celebrate. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I get the band to come up, please? So the same Jesus that gave his life is still alive 2,000 years later and reigns in heaven above. And right now, Jesus still saves. He still heals. He still delivers. He still sets people free. 
He still baptizes in the Holy Spirit. He still stands in the gap for each and every one of us. And he is still coming back. Amen? I don't know about you, but I can't help but be excited about this. I'm excited because of the opportunity that's before all of us. We have the opportunity to knock down the walls of sin and separation or to get rid of the things that we've held on to and become that new creation that we can become in Christ by accepting his love. And if we have accepted his love before, it's an opportunity for continued transformation. Because his death and his resurrection, it didn't just end there. We are continually transformed to be more and more like him so that we can show his love into the world around us. We need to, you know, Jesus asks us to take up our cross daily. No, that's to arm ourselves with the blood of Jesus so that we can be like him. We are a new creation and we need to believe this. And taking up our cross daily leads to a continued transformation as his disciples and sets us free from the darkness and bondage of our sin. So, are you ready to take up your cross and live for him? I'll say that again. Are you ready to take up your cross and live for him. Let's stand and pray.